0: It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by JK Contracting. Ready? Break! Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills.
1: From the studios of WATH, this is the Sports Fan on 970 and 97.1 FM. Connor Mills, the mic taking it up until 7 o'clock today on this 24th day of May, 6.06 on the clock, and 83 degrees and cloudy outside here in southeast Ohio. Again, it's a sports fan presented by J&K Contracting, and you know, it's, it, uh, it's been a quiet day so far today, right? Uh, no Reds on. Reds have the off day. We'll talk about the Reds coming up pretty soon. And, of course, our phone lines are open at 740-592-6646. If you want to talk in about a little bit of high school sports, we're getting a couple of updates from across Division Two. Big thanks to Trevor Stevens and the Athens game, or what would have been the Athens game, should they have beaten Miami Trace. Uh, that game right now, last update, top of the fourth, with Unioto leading the number one seeded Miami Trace Panthers. So Unioto... Takes a three to one lead in the top of the fourth, and they threw the, uh, the Brennan kid again for, uh, or the Butcher kid again from Miami Trace. And, you know, Butcher was a good pitcher. You know, he was a solid guy, uh, but he, he was erratic, right? He was, you know, throwing a lot of pitches outside of the strike zone, and Athens just wasn't able to capitalize uh, when they had runners on base, whether it be by a walk or a hit by pitch. Uh, but But Butcher, and I, I say he was erratic. But he also was effective. He wasn't efficient, but he was effective. Uh, so Butcher went out there and, uh, and, and did a job for Miami Trace, and they brought in the other kid at the end and, and shut Athens down uh, later on through the last three innings. But, um, you know, so Butcher's thrown against Unioto, and, and again, yeah, maybe Unioto, I don't have the uh, back score up in front of me right now, but I, I believe that Unioto probably took advantage. On uh, on butcher a little bit on whenever he gave up the free passes, uh, but Miami Trace and again Unioto with Unioto leading Miami Trace three to nothing uh, as that game or three one in the uh, in the top of the third or top four is uh, is our last update in that Division Two OHSAA postseason game Southeast Region, uh, so that's at least the update from there. Uh, of course, over the weekends, it was a tough, tough stretch for the Cincinnati Reds, and the Reds just, you know, they picked up the one win on Friday, right? They got the uh, Milwaukee Brewers on Friday. Close game, I think it was 9-4. So they, they get the win over Milwaukee. It's a good win, right? 9-4. Pitching did its job, you know, kept you in the ball game. Lucas Sims gave up three runs, uh, but that was... You know, kind of it, right? One run given up by Hoffman, pitches five innings, four walks, a little bit concerning, but that's all right. Uh, Sims goes in there, gives up three runs in just a a tenth of an inning or in a a third of an inning. That's not good. Uh, And then uh, Antone comes in, gets a hold. Brock goes in and, uh, you know, secures things down. And, you know, life, life is good on Friday. You advance to Saturday. Tough loss, close loss four three brewers win um sonny gray pitched goes six innings and again a little bit better right six innings giving up the three runs uh he did give up those two runs though in the top of the sixth and uh yeah that's again was he left in there a little bit too long it's not really for me to say but sonny gray went out there he gave you the opportunity to go out win that game henbury comes in out uh, uh you know, out of the bullpen, gives up the one run. Doolittle-Hendricks are fine. Um, you know, combined, they, they pitched two innings to round out the game, and just the bats didn't come through when they, they needed it at the end there. Uh, and then comes yesterday's game, a 9-4 loss, as the Brewers took yesterday's game uh, against the Cincinnati Reds. And the bullpen, again, is has been sporadic. Uh, the starting pitching has not been good, right? I mean, Luis Castillo... Who's supposed to be? I mean, he was in the conversation to be one of the aces last year, right? Because you had Trevor Bauer, you had Sonny Gray, and you had Castillo, with top top three in your bullpen. Now you got this year. Sonny Gray is work. He was a little bit better his last outing, right? I mean, he's got his ERA at three or so. Uh, it's at 3.96, right? So it's not great, but it's at least getting better from where it was. But Sonny Gray is starting to, you know, pitch a little bit better. Gave up four walks, eight strikeouts. Strikeouts have been up this year, fine. Uh, But it's really Castillo, who's a guy that you're predominantly concerned about. Because Castillo goes five innings, five hits, five runs, all earned, four walks, five strikeouts, and gave up the home run. Castillo's one in seven this year. If you want to compete as a ball club, your starter cannot, I mean... It seems like he's got a decision every time he goes out there and pitches, uh, which means, and it's not been in the, in the favoring side either, but Luis Castillo goes out there, gives up the five runs, and the Cincinnati Reds can't come back on it. So it, it's a little bit of an issue right there with Luis Castillo. Will he get better? I think he will regress to the mean to where he's not going to be giving up you know, five, six runs per game earned run average is calculated over nine innings, right? It's so over nine innings. It's estimated, earned run average estimated for Castillo, close to eight. He's at 7.6 right now. So Castillo is not getting the job done whatsoever. And it, it's, I, I'm not going to push the panic button on him yet. The season is still very long. Um, but it, it's it's about time to take a quicker or a closer look on Castillo and to see you know, really, what's going on here? And Yelich, I mean, Yelich has been injured all, all throughout the year. He finally got his first home run yesterday. Um, you know, off the ninth, off of bad Brock. Right? Brock has been with a lot of uh, a lot of pitching staffs, a lot of ball clubs this year. Was with the Mets, was with the Orioles. He's uh, bounced around, and he's been pitching all right for Cincinnati, and I like to pick up in the offseason of of Brock. But it's just the, the Reds just don't have anything cooking right now. Their starting pitching has been subpar outside of one or two quality starts here or there. The bullpen has not been good, right? I mean, the bullpen is probably good for about one to three runs per game, if not more. And everybody besides Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker, the bats have fallen cold. Right? You take a look up and down the lineup. Nate Quinn batting third, or he bat, batted third yesterday, went one for five. Stevenson goes 0 for three. Two walks, gets on base. All right. Barnhart 0 for two, and just Suarez. I don't think anybody could have predicted just how bad Eugenio Suarez has looked so far this year. It's been unfortunate. I mean, Suarez is a good guy. He's got a lot of power, but he's just has not been able to make a whole lot of contact struck out twice, left five guys on base. Like Suarez needs to figure things out. Um, You know, Castillo needs to figure things out on the mound, and just the rest of the lineup needs to at least show some kind of resemblance of hitting, right? I, I like Shogo Akiyama, comes in off the bench, pitch hits, and gets a base hit, scores a run. Yeah, Akiyama, I think Shogo Akiyama can be, you know, filling it a little bit more. Uh, and maybe he works himself back into a starting role on this team. Because, again, who else? I mean, who, who's in front of him right now? Right? Right field, Castellanos. You're not going to get past Castellanos. You're not going to get past uh, Jesse Winker. I mean, maybe you can sub Akiyama out for Naquin, and maybe the designated hitter would help the Cincinnati Reds this year. You know, trying to get Akiyama's bat in the lineup. I mean, he's batting 241. It's nothing to, you know, showboat about. But then again, you know, you got Suarez batting a buck 48. So, I mean, it it just hasn't been good uh, for Eugenio Suarez. Uh, You got Shryak out. Maybe Akiyama can play second, you know, Geschrock is out there batting 133, went 0 for 4, didn't strike out. I mean, he's been putting the ball in play. And Kyle Farmer, again, you like his defense a little bit there, but he just can't hit. Your bottom six guys, right, from, from uh, after Barnhart, Barnhart's hitting 278. You got Suarez batting 148. You had Schrock out there batting 133. Farmer at 214. And then the pitcher spot. It's a tough lineup outside of Winker, Naquin, Stevenson, and Barnhart. And I'm throwing in the top five because they at least are batting above 250. But it just has not looked good at all for the, uh, for the Cincinnati Reds in this tough, tough stretch. They got swept in a four-game set against the uh, San Francisco Giants. You need to at least take one out of the four games. And there's still a lot of baseball left to play. But just what Cincinnati has shown you to this point, they might be in for a little bit of a rough season. You know, I'm I'm, I'm always positive. I, I like to root for the Reds. I like to root for good teams. And last year, the Cincinnati was a good team. But they had the pitching to back up when the bats fell cold. And right now, they do not have the pitching when the rest of the lineup is cold. That's a shame, you know, because it's a fun team. They had a good cast of characters, but they're just outside of really the top two and Winker and Castellanos, you know, nobody's been able to do anything. So again, you, you got to, I don't know how, I mean, you're trying to plug and play with a lot of pieces here. And you know you're in a much different situation than, you know, because I'm a Met fan. I always try to get a Met reference in there, but, you know, looking across the National League, I mean, the Mets had 16 guys on the injured list, right? You're not going down with injuries on, on the Reds. You know, the Mets are putting out their double-A, triple-A team. You know, and that's even with uh, Francisco Lindor not batting. Pretty. I mean, he's been around like 180, 190, right? So Lindor has not been carrying that team. But they've been finding production out, outside of, you know, their their starting guys. And they don't even know who's pitching day in and day out, you know, it's, it's just a mystery uh, how, how the Mets are at the top of their division right now, and that's just with their B team, or maybe even C or Z team. But the Cincinnati Reds just can't you know, get any production out of their starters. They can't get any production out of their regular guys. And again, they're, they're not out because, or they're not bad because of injuries. They've just been having a, a tough go of it as of late. But it's never a good combination when you have the bats colds, and you have the pitching not where it needs to be. It's been disappointing for Castillo. And I say all that, but there's still a lot of time to turn it around. But when your starter has a 7.61 ERA, you got to take a look, and you got to make some kind of adjustments. I don't know who the – I mean, the pitching coach got to go out there and figure something out with Castillo. You know, is he tipping his pitches? Is he, you know, walking too many guys? I mean, he walked four, struck out five, right? I mean, is he just not locating the pitches that he located last year? Or is it just something new that's popped up this year mechanical-wise? Is Castillo's mechanics off? Is he just, you know, kind of lobbing up the slider? Is he tipping whatever it might be, but Castillo has, you know, not looked like he can and that the Reds have seen of him in the past. We'll see what Castillo is able to do down the stretch, but just not, not a good outing yesterday by any stretch of the means. Again, in action, uh, we'll keep you up to date in the Division II postseason tournament. Last time we checked in, Yudi up 3-1 on Miami Trace. We'll throw it to a quick break and come back right after this. It's a sports fan on 970, 97.1 FM. WATH
2: presented by J.K. Contracting. From concrete to roofing, to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate.
0: When you see McDonald's golden arches, it's easy to get excited. It means something delicious is about to happen, like trying the new crispy chicken biscuit for breakfast. It's made with a crispy, juicy, fried chicken filet on a warm, flaky biscuit that's baked to perfection. Now mix and match the new crispy chicken biscuit, sausage McMuffin with egg, or bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. Get any two for just $4. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Limited time only cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Smell when product served. Hi, I'm Kim. And this is Ruth. Please join us every Wednesday morning on 970-WATH to make it happen. It's the Kim and Ruth Show. Well, it's really not not the Kim and Ruth Show. It's really... (laughs) Tune in to Make It Happen with Kim and Ruth every Wednesday morning at 10.06. And we'll spend time talking about health and wellness topics and all aspects of healthy living. But we know that you're the real expert in your health, so let us help you make it happen. Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to make it happen.
1: This is The Sports Fan on 970 (laughs) WATH. Sportsman 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Sportsman's brought to you by j k Contracting. Appreciate their support all the way throughout the show. We got you up until 7 o'clock today. Again, Cincinnati Reds are off, which means we won't have any sports programming, and uh, yeah, that's uh, across the board. You know, We're done with high school sports at this point. We are still, uh, of you know, course, carrying the Cincinnati Reds, but we're, we're done really until Ohio State and the Cincinnati Bengals uh, get back up and going. I was talking about the Reds before the break, and the, I, I got one suggestion you know, to try to go through this lineup, right? Because the one thing about this lineup that doesn't make any sense to me is how they have it constructed batting-wise. I mean, again, you can't adjust for the pitching. I mean, the pitching has not been there, not where you need to, to have it, right? But I take a look across Major League Baseball. Just let's look at the National League. Nick Castellanos is leading the National League in hitting at 356. Second in batting average is his teammate that bats in front of him, and Jesse Winker at 355. Then he got Frazier out of Pittsburgh 3335. Turner out of Washington 324. Uh, you got Riley out of Atlanta at 320, and then Chris Bryant over in Chicago. I'm not going to list all of them. All right then he got runs. Winker's at, uh, at 34. Castellanos right behind him at 33. So they're getting on. They're scoring a couple of runs. You got Nate Quinn with 30 RBIs. You got Castellanos with 30. But here's the thing that I would do if I'm a manager bell, right? If I take a look at this lineup and I see the two guys who are absolutely on fire, the two guys who are hitting the most... And it doesn't look like they're slowing down at all. They got Jesse Winker at the top at 350, uh, yeah, 355, and you got Castellanos batting second at 356. Why are your two best hitters batting one and two in the lineup? Right? I mean, they got an on-base plus slugging of 1.096, and then a uh, 1.085. That's your leadoff and your second hitter. Why not? I'm just going to put that out there. Why not put either Naquin or Suarez or somebody else at one and two and put Winker at three and Castellanos at four. Or put Winker at four and Castellanos at three. That way, if they get a base hit, if they do something, right, because it's more often than not to get a base hit in these baseball games. I mean, Winker yesterday, two for five, Castellanos at three, three for four, three RBIs right, Akiyama is one of the runs scored on the uh, Castellanos hit, right? Why not put these guys a little bit lower, still top half of the order, but a little bit lower in the order? So that way, when Winker gets a base hit, you know he gets an RBI. Or Castellanos gets a base hit, he drives in Winker, and then whoever else is in front of him. But you have your most consistent hitters batting one and two. So let's say Winker gets a single, Castellanos gets a single, and then... Naquin, Stevenson, and Barnhart all strike out, well, what do the two singles do for you? If you put Naquin or somebody else, I mean, Winker's got speed, right? I mean, that's, it's not the ideal leadoff hitter for what I'm suggesting here. But if you put somebody else in front of Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos, and you bat them three and four in your lineup, or four, or uh, you know, flip them around, however which way you want to put them, but that way, if, your leadoff hitter gets out, your you know, guy who's hitting second gets a single, he walks, he, do, he gets on base. Now you have your two hottest hitters, not only on the Cincinnati Reds, but across baseball, you have your two hottest hitters next up in the lineup to where if they get a double, if they get a home run, or if they are able to get on base, and then Castellanos or Winker drives in, you know, the two guys in, in front of them, whoever that may be, you know, now you're not looking at maybe a RBI or maybe a solo home run. Now you're looking at, all right, two runs, three runs here. And you just keep on going and going. But I, I don't understand why you'd have your two hottest hitters. And again, they, they're best in the National League. Top two guys in the National League right now. Why are you batting them at one and two in this lineup? if anybody in front of them does anything you increase your chances of scoring more runs and maybe you can agree with me maybe you, you're thinking I'm crazy here but just with the way that they have been able to hit I would put somebody into uh, in front of them to give them a chance to score a run that's what I would do because if you don't yeah, uh, it's it, it could go to waste, or maybe you score one or one run instead of two runs. But that's just the way if I were to construct the Cincinnati lineup, get Winker and Castellanos out of the one and two. Because then you gotta go and hope to rely on you know, either Naquin, Stevenson, or Barnhart to get a hit. Naquin got a base hit yesterday. Barnhart, Ofer, Suarez Ofer. Stevenson over, right? Spread out the guys who can do something. Or even if you want a winker at the top, you get, you know, somebody in at the two hole and you put Castellanos in three. Because again, you know, just get somebody on base ahead of them so that they have runs or a, a chance to go out there and, and Drive in a couple of runs because without anybody at the top, you know, it's, I, I think they can get more run production out of them. Got a call on the line. I think it's uh, Lucas Moore joining in the program. Lucas, is this you?
0: Yeah, 100%. Lucas. I uh, know it's my mom's caller ID, and I apologize <laughs> for that. I'll, I'll get off her phone bill eventually. Uh, I don't know how old I got to get, but when, when I do, then it'll be a little clearer for you on that
1: end. I, I mean, that's all right. I, I saw the name on there, and, you know, I, you texted me that you said you were going to call in. I wanted to make sure that it was you uh, before we put you on air. But it's good to hear from you. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great, and I'm glad that it wasn't an uh, angry German lady on the, <laughs> <of> the line. <laughs> well, um, Listen, Not I really,
1: wel- welcome all phone calls. If it's an angry German lady or if it's, um, you know, some, somebody else, I, I, I welcome all, all phone calls, whether it be praise, criticism, talk about whatever. Uh, they are all welcome on the program but I saw you put out something on the Cincinnati Reds and you you went back to uh you know when Castellini bought the team in 0506 I think 2005 and he said that kind of things are circling around for the Cincinnati Reds yeah. at this point I mean
0: what really explain what what it was that you put out there Well first of all I think everybody should check out um my column on CincyChronicle.com, it's asking for more. I just do some Cincinnati sports stuff there. Um, for those of you that used to listen to me on the sports fan, it, it's, a, it's a fun little website, um, CincyChronicle.com, just to read some of my opinions and get some other good Cincinnati sports news. I wrote a column on there, but I'm just going to tell you what it is now, so you don't really need to read it, but whatever. The Reds are stuck in a time loop, Connor. They are stuck in a time loop. Max and I thought this at the beginning of the year, my buddy Max that, hey, this team feels like it's 2005, like they're not going to be able to pitch at all, but they'll be able to score a lot of runs. So I dove into the numbers a little bit more. Hold on. Oh, stop. stop. Now that, Connor, is a 2021 problem, I'll tell you. Your artificial <laughs> intelligence interrupting your rant. <laughs> but here are the similarities from the statistics from the 2005 Reds to the 2021 Reds. Okay, the 2005 Reds had a 73-89 and record. The 2021 Reds are on a 72 and 90 pace. And if you go deeper into those numbers, the expected win loss of the 2005 Reds, 75 and 87. The 2021 Reds, 75 and 87. Both teams were last in the National League in ERA. The 2005 Reds scored 820 runs. The 2021 Reds are on pace for 828 runs. In 2005, they allowed 889. The 2021 Reds on pace for 9-11. I mean, they're really close. You get even deeper, the average age of batters on the Cincinnati Reds is 28.6. In 2005, the average age in 2021, 28.8. For hitters in 05, 28.9. For pitchers, it's 28.8. There's a Miley on the team, Dave Miley, the old manager, Wade Miley now. Um, the manager's name is Dave. Same thing. 2005 was after an election year. 2021 is after an election year. I just feel like we're stuck in a time loop. And Bob Castellini, who bought the team in January of 2006, tried to fix all these issues. And 15 years later, he's stuck in the exact same situation that the Reds started in. And they still don't have a playoff win at home to show for it.
1: And Here's the thing, right? Like, I, With this baseball team, the pitching obviously took a, took a hit from last year. Trevor Bauer was a Cy Young Award winner, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy that the Reds got the Cy Young. I'm happy that, you know, Trevor Bauer was able to, uh, to get a Cy Young Award, right? He's an interesting character. He brings a lot of energy and brings a lot of passion into the sport of baseball, uh, which is something that baseball has missed uh, and that, you know, enjoys getting a personality like Bauer. Whether you like him or you hate him, uh, you know, Bauer brings a lot of attention to baseball. Uh, but without him on the Reds this year, the pitching staff took a hit. The bullpen has not been able to do anything. I mean, besides Antone, uh, the, the, the Reds are really in trouble with anybody else that they select out of that bullpen. Um, you know, so the yeah, Sean Doolittle,
0: is almost a, I mean, Sean Doolittle is almost a decade removed from his all-star appearance, and that's the second-best bullpen arm the Reds have right now in terms of ERA+. plus. I mean, that's just a really, really awful situation to be in. Now, luckily, the starters are better in this team's than 2005, so there's a little hope there for the Reds because in 05, I don't even know if you know these names, Connor, the top three name, top three arms in the Reds' rotation in 2005 was Aaron Harang, Brandon Clawson, and Ramon Ortiz. I mean, that's... This is a much better situation there in 2021 compared to 2005, especially if Castillo can turn
1: this thing around. Well, here's the thing with Castillo, though, right? I mean, it doesn't look like he's turning anything around. He's got a seven ERA and gave up the five runs in five innings and walked four batters yesterday. I mean, it's what have you seen that's changed with Castillo because things just have not been going the way that we know that Castillo can pitch?
0: Yeah, I don't know if he's going to fix it this year, Connor, but... I watched Ramon Ortiz and Brandon Clausen pitch. It was one of my first experiences in baseball. And Luis Castillo has more talent in his pinky fingernail than those two guys had on the mound. So that's why I say it's a higher ceiling. Like 20, that's why the 2021 rotation has a higher ceiling. I mean, they have a guy that threw a no-hitter. They have Sonny Gray who's been a Cy Young candidate before. Um, and Tyler Molle is not too bad. So it's just a better situation in the rotation in 2021. But the bullpen's irredeemable. And it was the same in 05. And they're going to keep bleeding runs. And starters aren't going as long as they used to in 05. So your bullpen matters even more nowadays. And that's why they're giving up more runs than that 2005 team did, despite having better arms in the rotation. So it, it's a complete and utter mess. They won't be in last place, though, because the Pittsburgh Pirates exist. Now, that's very, very lucky. You know what, you know what the funny thing is, though, Connor? Pittsburgh Pirates were the only thing that kept the 2005 Reds out of last place. It really is a time loop in Cincinnati, and it all involves losing at the end of the
1: day. And look, I know the, the biggest issue with the Reds right now is not hitting, but uh, you know, the numbers are kind of inflated a little bit because you got guys like Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos who are batting you know, above 350. I mean, they're the top two hitters in the National League right now. Is it a fair, th- and before he got on, and I don't know how much that you heard before, but, you know, is it a fair thing for me to say, you know, drop Winker and Castellanos in the lineup to at least 2-3 and three or 3-4, three and four. put somebody ahead of them, whether that be a Naquin, a Stevenson, a Barnhart, or even Suarez, uh, put somebody ahead of them so where instead of a, a two-run shot or a solo shot or, you know, getting, leaving them stranded on base because Stevenson or Naquin behind them didn't do anything, you know, is it fair to say that you can put somebody else in front of those two guys to where when they get those hits, they might even score even more runs that they've been scoring all season long?
0: I think that's fair. Um, in terms of lineup construction, I never try to look too, too much into it because at the, at the end of the day, there's been research, tons of research done on this. And lineup construction at most can buy you like .2 runs a game, which, by the way, Connor matters. It matters 100%. But it's not something that I'm going to really try to try to harness in on because at the end of the day, how you create runs is having depth in your lineup because all nine guys have to hit, and they have to hit in order. So it's better to have all nine guys that can hit. We see the best lineups in the league have depth, and the bad guys in their lineup would be four, five, six-hole guys in other people's lineup. And this Reds team is still running out A. Eugenio Suarez every day, who... I don't know, would have better luck trying to hit baseball with his bubbles that he blows on the field with uh, Hubba Bubba. Like, this guy is at a 48 OPS plus. That is 52% worse than a league average player. That's what A.U. Eugenio Suarez has been this year. And if you look at the 2005 team, they didn't have the frontline stars like Winker and Castellanos, but they were able to score that many runs, the same that this Reds team is on pace to, with two MVP candidates in the lineup, because... They had 10 qualifying batters. Nine of them were above average, according to OPS. The 10th was Ryan Friel, who Reds fans will remember, and may rest in peace, Ryan Friel, but don't remember him as a base-stealing, amazing utility player who was only at 97 OPS plus. That means he was only 3% worse than a league average player. Great teams and great lineups have depth, so that the manager can't mess it up with the lineup construction day in and day out. So I, I really I, I'd love to have the lineup construction conversation, but at the end of the day, when we look at the broader sense of the Reds, it won't matter in terms of wins and losses at the end. Uh, it just maybe one or two, at, at at the most. Because if you put Stevenson and Naquin in front of them, they're still not going to hit there, dude. Yeah, but it even if on, like, But even if they get a walk, right? Like if
1: Stevenson yeah, walked twice in yesterday's ball game. One
0: more run, it creates an extra run or two every series if you do a perfect lineup construction, and that might matter. But
1: all I'm For a saying
0: that would be close to the playoffs. But this team is a 75 win ball club right
1: now. All I'm saying though is that if you score two, three more runs than you did or you would have, right? If, if Stevenson scores a run because Winker hit him in with one of the home runs that he's been hitting as of late, or Castellanos who's been on fire. Uh, I mean, those two are just having a, a NL batting title between themselves right now. Um, you know, if you get somebody if they're on by a walk, a hit by a pitch, a drop third strike, and then Winker hits him, uh, has a single, Castellanos with the double, and then they score a couple more runs. I mean, that's just the kind of the point that I'm making. And this team is even hurting a little bit more because you don't have the likes of a guy because he's injured in Mike Moustakis or even Joey Votto, who's still respectable at the plate, where batters or the pitchers have to, you know, be wary of what they throw to Votto.
0: Yeah, I, let's have the lineup construction conversation. I'd make the argument that Castellanos and Winker are going to see the most good pitches at the top of the order, and they're going to get more at bats throughout the whole season. And I want my best players getting the most at bats because only one time in a baseball game does the leadoff hitter actually lead off. It's very rare for it to happen twice. And, and how many times does the top of the lineup never have anybody bat before them? Only one. The rest of the game is played 8-9-1-2-3. So you want those 1-2 guys to come up as much as possible. Those are the guys that will get the most at-bats. It's about 30 at-bats for a 162-game season per position in the lineup. So if you shift Castellanos down three slots, you're costing him 90 at-bats. So you're taking 90 at-bats away. From the best hitter in your lineup.
1: Oh, I'm just shifting him down to three or four. I mean, I'm only going down like one or two here.
0: Yeah, it's 30 spots. It's 30, 30 at-bats a season. Every spot you shift the guy down in the lineup. But it's here's 30 at-bats a
1: season. Here's the thing about the bottom of the lineup, though, right? I mean, you have the pitcher at the nine hole. You have Farmer, who's your everyday shortstop, who's batting 214, had two strikeouts, and, and just didn't get on base. And then you got Schrock, who's been batting 133. So who's on yeah, the base we're... right now for Winker and
0: Castellanos <laughs> to hit in? They're not even getting exactly. in there. That's why not, they're not going to win games. Because you're right. Because it doesn't matter how we construct the lineup. You're going to be stuck either way. But if you put a guy like, like Nick Wynn ahead of them or Stevenson ahead of them, they at
1: least are respectable at the plate at this point to where Winker and Castellanos can drive them in, or at least they walk or they, they draw a walk to where your two hottest suitors can get them in.
0: Yeah, but then Winker and Castellanos see, but then that will hurt Naquin and Stevenson, and it will hurt Winker and Castellanos in terms of the pitches they get to see. But you have the protection. Right? When, you're, when, you're, when, you're, right? when you're leading, who's protecting them? There's nobody in this lineup that's going to protect them. Maybe. Right? The only thing that will protect them is, hey, there's nobody on base. we got to throw to this guy. Or they're leading off the game. Or Winker is just behind Castellanos. Right, they're seeing more good pitches because they're at the top of the lineup because they aren't batting with people on base. I mean, it, it's reflexive here, and this is why lineup construction is such a sticky conversation, Connor, because as soon as you change one thing one way, the other data points shift all along the line, and you end up only creating .1 or .2 runs for your offense over the course of the season, when really it's about the moves and trades to make sure that no matter where you put the 7, 8, 9, 1, 2, 3, that they're decent hitters. I mean, anybody that followed the big red machine in 1975-1976 will tell you the strength of that team wasn't the two top-line bats. The strength of that team is that there was not a spot in that lineup that you could pitch to, not one. And right now the Reds lineup has about five or six spots that not only are you comfortable pitching to, you're not even sure if you're going to show them your good stuff until the third time they come up in the order. And, And that's not a winning formula. You're not going to be able to score runs long-term like this, and that's why I'm worried they might be worse than the O five 5 team and be at the 68-69 win mark.
1: I'm pulling up the lineup right now for, uh, uh, of course, Trout was not in the lineup, and neither was Otani in the last game, but I'm, I'm trying to see how the lineup for the uh, Los Angeles Angels is constructed, right? Because with Otani batting the way that he's been batting, is, uh, is Trout injured or something? Has he... Yes, Trout is injured. Okay. Uh, and then you yeah, got Rendon.
0: He just pulled his cap. Yeah. he have been batting him in the middle of the order. But look, they're in last place, too. Because so right. they don't have any other bats around them. But if, let's say,
1: I'll use Naquin as an example, right? Your center fielder. Right? If Naquin's in front of Winker, you don't want to walk Naquin so he's going to see more good pitches in the at-bat because they don't want to get him on base to face Winker with, with Naquin on base. So, you know, maybe Naquin sees more production now at the top of the lineup because you don't want it to turn over to Winker and Castellanos after him. I mean that's kind of my point in trying to construct that lineup to where you know Winker and Castellanos are going to see at least somebody on base in front of them. Um, you know, and maybe Akiyama is able to contribute, but where do you put him? I mean he's an outfielder, but you're not gonna remove Winker or Castellanos at this point.
0: Yeah, no, you can't move them. I mean, like, also, do you want to move guys that are both over 1,000 OPS, or do you want to just keep them where they're at and let the two guys be the best hitters? I mean, maybe they're comfortable there. Maybe they're in a routine. And that's why I think managers shouldn't worry about so much about changing lineup construction day in, day out, because it only matters, again, 0.1 to 0.2 runs if you do it perfect. If you do a perfect lineup, they did a study, Connor, that if a manager constructed a perfect lineup, all season long, the most optimal lineup, it can only improve the team's run production about 0.1 or 0.2 runs. So 0.1, or, that's what we're working with here, 0.1 or 0.2. I think it's more valuable to keep your guys in a routine, to keep your guys in the same spot, to have a day-to-day, right? And, and that's what old baseball used to be. You were the one, you were the two, you were the three, you were the four, you were the five, you were the six. You had roles, you understood them. Now what it's turned into is, hey, we're going to move you guys all around the lineup, but basically we want you to go up there and just try to hit a home run every day. And there's going to be some old school teams that start to really win. If we look at who's having success right now, we look at the American League. The White Sox and the Red Sox strike out the least of any Major League Baseball teams. They're the bottom two. And I think your Mets are down there too. They're putting put a lot of Balls in play as well. Well, yeah, the, the Mets Everybody,
1: the Mets have a bunch of AAA, a AA double-A guys in that lineup or somebody – they traded for Cabin, uh, Cameron Mabin. They gave the former – I think he was on the Cubs. They gave the Cubs a dollar. I mean, that's insulting to Mabin. Uh, but Mabin also has not put the ball in play. He does not have a base hit at this point. Um, and somebody joked around saying that they overpaid for him, and that's also kind of insulting too because that's a professional baseball player. Uh, but either way, I mean, the Mets – Uh, with Pilar getting hit in the face, with Lindor uh, batting about 190 this season, it's remarkable to me as a Mets fan that they are somehow in first place, and maybe it's because they don't strike out a whole lot. Um, Yeah, that's
0: why, Connor, because when, when, when leagues go one way, so we saw this happen in the NBA, when Steph Curry was lighting it up, right, and LeBron was the only thing that could stop them, What was everybody talking about? Oh, my God, we need guards, 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 guards. Threes, 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 threes. The big man is dead. You shouldn't use a center. Nobody over seven foot can play basketball ever again. And now look what happened this year. Two of the top three MVP candidates were centers. Why? Because a league goes one way. It goes too far one direction. And then you slide in the back end. And now you're the only team that has this specific strength. Winning in sports. Especially professional sports is about doing something different that is effective and better than the rest of the league. Because if you're doing something that everybody else is doing, so hitting the ball out of the ballpark, you're only the fourth best team at that. You'd rather be one of the teams that puts the ball in play a lot. You'd rather be doing something different. We saw this in the NFL too. Look at the Cleveland Browns. Right when running games felt like they were dying in the early 2010s, all of a sudden Browns, Ravens, Titans, Titans, Vikings, look at all these teams that have had major success completely relying on the running game. Why? Because the league went away from that and if you're one of the only six teams that can actually run the football, you're going to have a lot of success. And so I think old school teams, not with bunting or any of that stuff, but with, hey, let's have good at-bats. Let's put the ball in play. Let's slap it to right field. Let's, give, let's not try to hit home runs. This very little league approach that, that's worked for a century, right? The Pete Rose approach, choke up with two strikes, that's winning in Major League Baseball, winning a lot today because nobody else is doing it. And so the Mets, the Red Sox, and the White Sox are three beautiful examples of they don't have a lot of home run production. They don't have a lot of high OPS production, but they're putting the ball in play, they're scoring more runs, and they're winning more games.
1: And the big thing I'll say about the Mets is that they do have a fairly fairly good bullpen. I mean, they don't have a starting rotation right now. DeGrom was out. uh, Walker was out. Um, I think whoever they put there has gotten injured. Carrasco has not thrown a pitch for the Mets yet uh, at the MLB level. Syndergaard has not pitched this year. And uh, there might be one or two more people that I'm just leaving off because they've dealt with 16 guys at least on the injured list at the beginning of the season, um, so they they found some bullpen arms that can help them out, and I think they're getting a little bit too tired right now as they lost the series to the Marlins uh, over the past weekend. But um, yeah, you know, put the ball. It, it's not rocket science, you know. I mean, I know, I know no, a lot of no, statisticians exactly. put you know emphasis on these stats, and you know even uh, batters are getting overloaded right now. You know, and, and the technology is not at the point for where a batter can go out there and say, All right, in a two-two pitch, this guy throws his slider seventy eight percent of the time. And while that might be true, you know, that's the pitcher obviously knows that. So he throws the fastball. Now the batter looks silly because he was expecting a slider. He got a fastball right down the middle and he didn't swing at it, so now he gets sent back to the bench because he thought one thing was gonna happen and another thing wound up happening. Yeah. You know, they got to throw analytics to the side. It's, It's helpful, but, you know, they have to decide how helpful and how useful it really is in certain situations.
0: Yeah, and listen, Sabermetrics, the reason it really worked when it started, why the Athletics and then the Red Sox after it, led by Theo Epstein, had so much success with Sabermetrics is because the rest of the league was denying them. And they were basing it on a century of research by Bill James Right? I, I, We've all seen the movie. Now, that research basically showed that there were holes in the game that nobody really knew about, that if you took advantage of them, you would have an advantage over the rest of the league. Why? Because nobody else was evaluating players like that. Nobody else was training their players to play like that. So you have a unique advantage. Now the game has changed so radically that if you're basing your research on what Bill James said the advantages were – from 1970 to 2005, you're probably doing it wrong, because everybody now is implementing these strategies. So now the advantages disappear, because everybody's doing it, right? It's not a new technology if everybody has it. The advantage of having a nuclear weapon for the United States, it went away once Russia built theirs. Now it becomes a different situation. It's not unique, right? Things change. Things shift. You have to move. You have to be reflexive. You have to be able to change. Yep. And Change is not always not doing what we used to do. Sometimes change is realizing there were some things in the past that were smart and maybe we should go back to them. And, and the more baseball starts to grasp that and understand that and mold that with the new, exciting, young, energetic baseball, I think that's the perfect game. Not this extreme, modern, we'll never play the way we used to and not these unwritten rules crap. There's a nice medium there of old baseball that you go to a ballpark and it looks like the game you played when you were a kid. Because right now you go to a Major League Baseball game where the fielders are positioned, how the batters approach a plate appearance, how the pitchers approach their outings, nothing looks like baseball looked like when you played as a kid. And that's not good. You need to have that connectivity. That's what makes baseball so special. And I can't wait till they outlaw the ship so we can really get back to that and start telling hitters, Hey, there's holes in the field now. Poke the ball through there, get a base hit, put the ball in play, live to fight another day.
1: See the holes that were there five, ten years ago are no longer there because of the shift and defense got smart. You know, but and hitters just have not been able to adjust. It's very rare you see. You know, let's say Lindor is a you know as a lefty batter because he's a switch batter. He's a you know lefty and righty. Let's say that, you know, he's bad and lefty, big hole on the left side, but he'll ground out to the right side. You know, hitters just aren't using the whole you know, range of the field. Yeah. And because of the shift, they're hitting it right into the shift, and uh, they're giving you a hole to get the base hit. I'd rather have a team, and I've said it before, I'd rather have a team that hits 300 than hits, you know, everybody hits like 30 home runs. I'd rather have a good, consistent hitting lineup, all batting at or close to 300, driving in runs with a single, a double, taking the walk, stealing some bases, producing some runs. I'd take that over the guy well, who can they, hit 450 You must be a White
0: Sox fan then, Connor. You must be my new adopted team since I live here and get to go to a bunch of games. <laughs> um, the Chicago White Sox. I mean, they don't have... It's really, and a lot of guys have changed their approach. Moncada changed his approach. Abreu changed his approach. They've got a guy named Nick Madrigal, who used to play at Oregon State. He's a rookie. And he is the best two-strike hitter so far in the history of baseball. He had only five swings and misses through 30 games on two-strike pitches. And uh, that is kind of, so if you like that style of baseball, Connor, one, your Mets are doing it pretty good, and two, you should tune into some more White Sox games. Because, really, that's how they're playing. They're kind of channeling the old school with Tony LaRue as the manager. Um, there's some of the old school that we don't like from Tony, but some of it I do like. And uh, it, it's been an interesting year for Chicago baseball, and it, it really a great year for all the baseball, Connor. I've been having a lot of fun with it. Um, as heated as this convo gotten, as bad as the Reds are, I've really enjoyed baseball <laughs> being back in the 162-game form.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, hey, before, i got to go quick because we don't have a whole lot of time left in the program as we're coming up on CBS News at the top of the hour. But, uh, you know, and it's not new news per se, but I saw the workout video that was posted of Joe Burrow. It looks like he's, uh, he's getting back and healthy. And five days ago it was confirmed that Joe Burrow was cleared to play for the Cincinnati Bengals season opener on September 12th. A healthy Burrow plus a revamped offensive line, and Jamar Chase. Lucas, your response to that in 60 seconds or less.
0: Have they made gambling, sports gambling legal in Ohio yet? Close. Okay, when that happens, right now Joe Burrow is 45-1 to 1 to win the MVP. Okay? Whatever amount of money that's not going to cost you rent or anything, please don't go crazy that you can afford. I want you to run, and as soon as sports gambling is legal, I want you to place that money down (laughs) on a 45-1 to bet on Joe Burrow to win MVP. He's going to bring so much wealth to the state of Ohio. If we all make this bet, Ohio's going to launch to the top of the union at 45-1, okay? So (laughs) I'm making it from here. Y'all make it from there when it becomes legal, and Joe Burrow's going to make everybody that loves him quite a bit of money um, because this is going to be a really fun year to be a Joe Burrow fan and to be a Cincinnati Bengal fan. Going to be a lot of points. Going to be a lot of yards. That defense probably not going to be good. So they're going to have to score, and score quite a bit. I'm I'm super excited for it, Connor. So the
1: defense has to get better, but that offense, if that offensive line is as revamped as promised, and if that if Jamar Chase comes through as uh, you know everybody expects him to, it could be a pretty lethal offense. And a uh, you know we'll see what they have on on the defense. But it's good to see that Joe, first and foremost, is back. Working out. His knee seems to be fine and he's healthy and uh, preparing to play football once again. Shredded. He's awesome. I love it. Can't wait. Lucas, always great having you on. Thanks for calling in and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Appreciate it, Connor. Thanks, man. Coming up to a quick break right here. We'll recap the sports fan. Of course, you can catch it online uh, through Anchor and uh, through the website, revamping the website as well. Um, but we got a short, short break and uh, we'll be right back. After this, it's a sports fan presented by J&K
0: Contracting at 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Studies show that people with good oral health are more likely to have good overall health. That's why it's so important to maintain a healthy diet, to brush your teeth at least twice a day for two minutes, to floss once a day, and remember to see your dentist regularly. Ohio Dental Association dentists are dedicated to providing the highest quality dental care. Ask if your dentist is a member of the Ohio Dental Association so you know you are being treated by the best. To find an ODA dentist near you, visit associationsadvanceohio.com. Start your morning.
1: Mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the Sports Fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits
0: 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. This is the sound of a popular American motorcycle. It's the sound of freedom. The open road. Really good times. And this is what it sounds like with a drunk guy on it. How do you like the sound of that? Cops are cracking down on drunk motorcycle riders. If you ride drunk, you
2: will get caught and you will get arrested. Drunk Riding. Over the limit, under arrest. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Transportation. and local
0: the sports fan on 970 wath
1: sports fan on the 97s at wath 658 on the clock 80 degrees cloudy outside well thanks for sticking with me for three hours at a classic caravan starting at four o'clock filling in for sky hope and then uh, of course monday through friday the sports fan right here 6:06 uh, 6. 06 until 7 o'clock. Then CBS News at the top of the hour comes on after this, and then back to regular programming before Jim Bohannon comes your way tonight at 10 as normal. Um, but it was always great talking with Lucas Moore. I guess he was listening in a little bit. I was talking about the Cincinnati Reds, uh, so it's always always great to have him on the program. And I know he's been a, a sort of a longtime voice right here on the Sports Fan. Uh, always, uh, again, always good to talk to him. As an update in postseason baseball right now, in uh, Division II, Hillsboro takes the uh, 2-0 win over Sheridan. And the game in the bottom of the sixth, Miami Trace trails Unioto 5-1. And Miami Trace again beat Athens 4-1 in the postseason game not too long ago uh, last Wednesday. Well, that's been the Sports Fan, presented by JK and k Contracting, 970-97.1 FM, WATH. Big thanks to everybody listening out there, and a big thanks to Lucas Moore for calling in. I'm Connor Mills signing off. Joe Medora will be back on the program tomorrow as he's come back from home. CBS News is next. We'll see you then. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio,
0: AM 970 and 97.1 FM.
2: FM.